if you're trying to make any kind of meaningful, effective change in your life, well, you have come to the right place because that is what my expert guest and I are here to help you do. Welcome to We're Talking Shift. This is the podcast where all we do is talk shift because when we're stuck and need to rise to a challenge, make a health shift, a relationship or an emotional shift, well, the first thing we have to shift, my friends, is our thinking. That is the antidote to feeling stuck. I'm Lori Bischoff, and I'm so glad you're here. Now, let's get busy. Good day, ladies and gents. Welcome back to We're Talking Shift. Today, I have Chris Warwick back again for part two of a conversation that we started last week all about how Chris beat cancer. Yes, he actually beat cancer, which is also, by the way, the name of his best-selling book. Chris, he is literally a walking testimonial on what's possible when you have the courage to go rogue, break protocol, and do things your way. We covered a lot of ground last week, but there was a lot that I wanted to talk to him about that we didn't get to. So I had to get him back this week, and thankfully he uh, he said no problem. Before, though, we dive into part two, I do want to encourage you, if you missed last week's, go back, listen to part one, and then return over here to part two and uh, and listen to what else we've got going on. All right, onward. Welcome back, Chris. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me. Of course. I really appreciate another uh, another chunk of your time, but there's just too much good stuff that you've been doing and sharing um, that are so valuable for so many people that I just, I couldn't let it go where we left off. So just to quickly recap before we jump in. So in 2008, you were, di- or excuse me, 2003, you were diagnosed with stage three colon cancer. You had surgery to remove a chunk of your colon, but then your doctor said, ah, not so fast. You need to do chemo, uh, which we talked about last week, but you did not mention, I don't believe what your doctor said about like your future. Like what did he say your prognosis was with or without that treatment? And that, because that obviously is when you had some thinking to do and yeah, so um, I was told by the first oncologist that I saw that I had a 60% chance of living five years with treatment. Now, I didn't ask him what my chances are, were without treatment. And that's a very good question to ask. In fact, that's something that I, I talk about in my free guide, 20 questions for your oncologist, which is available on chrisbeatcancer.com. There's a link to it on every page. Uh, or you can go to chrisbeatcancer.com forward slash 20 and download it. This is a invaluable, invaluable guide of questions that you or if you're a patient or if you're a caregiver need to ask your oncologist before you start treatment. If you've already started treatment, it's these are still good questions to ask. But yeah, one of them is, what are my odds of survival with treatment and without? So anyway, yeah. he told me my odds were 60% with treatment, and that was not very uh, encouraging. No, and it's sixty percent for only five years, right? That's well, yeah, sixty mm-hmm. percent, five years. But that's, so, go on. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, sixty percent—that's basic. That's not much better than fifty percent, and fifty percent's a coin toss. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, that's not very encouraging. Uh, the very same year, uh, I mean, that was January two thousand four. That same year, there was this. Uh, a landmark study published called The Contribution of Cytotoxic Chemotherapy to Five-Year Survival in Adult Malignancies. And and this study found that uh, chemotherapy only contributes about 2% to five-year survival. And this was across, oh, 20, maybe 22 different cancers. So it wasn't like every cancer ever, but they looked Mm -hmm. at 22 different types of cancer in the US and Australia and uh, determined how much of an impact chemotherapy was making. Uh, so it was very little, right, on yeah. average. Now, some cancers, chemo works really well. It works really, really well for childhood leukemia. Mm. It r- works really well for, uh, you know, uh, for testicular cancer. Those are probably the two highest success rate cancers for chemo. Uh, it also uh, is better than average for lymphomas. 
Uh, but it's the solid tumor cancers that are the, really the problem. Uh, and they've made virtually no progress in reducing the death rate of solid tumor cancers with chemotherapy in 60 years. In fact, the death rate of all cancers in 60 years, and the death rate is the true measure of success, right? Mm -hmm. Five-year survival is not, an, is not an appropriate measure of success because that's a, a figure that's easy to manipulate statistically. Yeah. Uh, but the overall death rate, that's the true number. Are, are we reducing the number of cancer deaths? And that's only come down 5% in 60 years. But yet they keep doing it. Right. Yeah, they keep doing it because um, that's where the most money is to be made, right? Yeah. So many doctors uh, are good people, but they're just trapped in a system that pays them really well. And it doesn't matter what the results are. You know, you know, Moliere said it hundreds of years ago. He said, I believe medicine is the best of all trades because whether you do any good or not, you still get your money. Wow. And there you have it. Yeah. So, okay. I feel like I get really, really annoyed when doctors tell patients how much time they have. I think... You know, it, it's such a it's such a huge disservice, number one, and it really can have a massive nocebo effect. Yes. Right. I mean, it's like they're playing God. Well, you know what? You you may you may do OK. You got a 60 percent chance, perhaps like in your case. But even then, mm, we give you five years. I mean, what do you think about that? That's a that's horrible. I don't think they should do it. <clears throat> I think. When a doctor says you have three months to live or six months to live or a year to live or two years to live, I think uh, what they're doing is they're putting a hex on their patients. Yeah. They're, uh, they're putting a curse on them. Yeah. Psychological curse, a medical hex. And the, that person, you know, your belief is really powerful. And if you, the doctor tells you you're going to die in a year and you believe them, you'll, you'll die in a year. I right. Mean, it's, it's like clockwork. If you believe yeah, them. Yeah, the self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So it, for what we encourage people to do in our community uh, is to reject that prognosis, right? Reject the prognosis and say, you know what? You're going to be wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm not going to yeah. die in six months. I'm not going to die in a year. You do not have the authority to determine the end of my life, right? No man has the authority to, ter to determine the end of your life unless you give it to them. Right. And so you have to, to make a stand for yourself and just make a decision to prove them wrong. Yeah. Right. That and let that, you know, fuel your determination to get well. So I think it's that's true. really important. You know, doctors shouldn't be saying those kind of things to patients. They should say, you know, we really don't know. But, you know, now's the now is the time you need to change your life, right? Yeah. Now is a critical time. We don't know how much time you have. And I'm not I'm I i do not want to say because I because I'm not God, right? That's what yes. a doctor should say. Yes. Um, but uh, your your future is in God's hands, but it's also in your hands. And totally. your choices matter. And you can make decisions now that can improve your quality of life and can reduce your odds of dying, right? That can e increase your odds of survival. This mm -hmm. is the message that I am bringing to the masses, that your choices matter, that you are not a victim of disease, and that you don't have to sit in a state of helplessness and hopelessness with your fingers crossed, wondering if you're gonna die, right? You can take massive action to change your life. What you put in your mouth matters. The way you think and act matters. Uh, exercise is incredibly important. Forgiveness is mm -hmm. so powerful. Like all these things are things you can do. Most of them cost you nothing. And if you're willing to change your life, then you can reap tremendous mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical benefits from your choices. Yeah. You can change yeah. your future, right? You can change your life by changing your daily routine. So, I mean, I talk about this a lot in my first book, Chris Beat Cancer, but then I also wrote a second book called Beat Cancer Daily, which is a daily reader. So it's like a daily devotional. It's 365 days and it's, you just read one page per day and it's, it's just, you know, it's me basically encouraging the reader, giving them inspiration and encouragement and practical reminders to to 
walk out this healing journey, right? Because it is a daily journey. You can't fix mm -hmm. yesterday. You can't do anything tomorrow. All you can do is today, right? That's all you got. You got right now, you got today. And so if you focus on making each day the best you can make it, right? Making healthy choices, being disciplined and uh, choosing joy and living in a state of gratitude, counting your blessings and really um, changing the way that you are, which everyone can change. People think like, oh, I can't change. Everyone can change. All you have to do is be willing. Yeah. And, um, and so that book is just, uh, just a daily encouragement, you know, to help people walk out the healing journey. And, uh, and then of course I've got this brand new yeah. cookbook, Beat Cancer Kitchen, which is all plant-based recipes. So this is sort of my, my triad of, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. That's awesome. No, it is because a lot of people, um, you know, they just, they don't have the, uh, I don't know what you want to call it, the, the metal, the, the motivation, the whatever is required to go out and, and unearth this information themselves. Well, it's, so it's the will I think to a live. lot of people want to, yeah, yeah. That's what you're talking it about. It is the will. It is the, Some yeah, people don't, I agree. don't have a strong will to live. That's, that is the Some reality. Some people don't. And what, I, yeah. what, we, and I think, what I've seen, what I've seen uh, over and over is uh, for some people, the cancer diagnosis is a relief mm -hmm. because it is a way out uh, of yes. a life that has been very difficult. Uh, I agree. And so uh, for others, the cancer diagnosis is, of course, bad news and terrible and tragic, but they they come to really enjoy being the victim and the object of sympathy and pity because all of a sudden, oh, sure, sure. well, think about it. All of a sudden, someone who maybe has never felt loved and cared for, cared for and appreciated is now being loved on and cared for, right? In a way they never have oh, yeah. before. All of a sudden, everybody's sure. calling and sending cards and dropping off flowers and how are you doing and making you meals and, you know, and all of a sudden you're, you're just, you're, you know, in a, in a sense, you're being pampered, and uh, sure, and it checks people... it checks that human need for significance. When you know, there's a lot of ways to check that box, and one of them is by being sick, um, and it's a powerful need. And if you have felt, you know, invisible or unimportant or taken for granted or you know just not seen your whole life, uh, and then you get sick and you experience what it feels like to all of a sudden become significant and important and people are <clears throat> noticing you and trying to take care of you to your point. Um, that can be a powerful addiction. Absolutely. And, and we all know people that are, that are, that have the poor me pattern, right? Is they, 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 yeah. they get attention for themselves by constantly having a problem in life, right? They, it's like they create problems for themselves so then they can derive sympathy from others and uh yeah and it is sad you know i'm not i'm not a judge of those people but it, i'm just an i'm an, i'm an i am an observer yeah. of that behavior and what what we know is that if you want to get well that 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 attitude that behavior that mindset will not work for you <laughs> right if yeah. you want to get well you have to stop being a victim and you have to be you have to take on the attitude and the mindset of a victor Right? Yes. You have to decide, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to win. I'm going to survive. I'm going to thrive. I'm going to heal. And when I get well, I'm going to help other people heal. Now, this is the attitude yeah. that I see over and over again. We call it the beat cancer mindset. And there's several components, but the first component is believing you can get well. Right? Belief. The belief is the most powerful thing, right? I mean, it really yeah, is. Without you, that, you got to start there. That's change. the foundation. Yeah. yeah. A person will not change their life if they don't believe they can get well. If they don't believe that their choices will help them, they're not gonna change anything. They're not gonna quit smoking. They're not gonna quit drinking alcohol. They're not gonna get off of drugs. They're not gonna lose weight. They're not gonna exercise. They're not gonna change their diet. They're not gonna forgive. They're not gonna do anything, right? They right. are not going to change if they don't believe that change will help them. So believing you can get well is the most important thing. And then, and then from there, there's sort of a logical progression of thought and belief, which is, Okay, if you believe you can get well, do you want to get well? <laughs> do you want to live? Do you want to get well? And that's a question that each patient needs to ask themselves, right? Honestly and sincerely. And some people don't want to get well, and it's okay, right? If you're elderly, 
right? If you've lived a long life and you feel like, you know, my mission is accomplished. Great. That's great. Enjoy your life. Don't, you don't need to fight to survive whatever fighting means, right? Mm -hmm. You don't need to do every chemo, you know, drug under the sun to live an extra four months. So your family is not sad, you know, right? whatever, right? And really now with the compromised quality of life too. For sure. There's no need to suffer. Like enjoy your life. I, I love the story of um, a woman, a story I tell, I still tell the story often, but her, there's this a woman named Norma Bauerschmidt and she was diagnosed with cancer. And I think she was in her eighties. She was pretty old, maybe even nineties. Uh, I should get that fact straight. But anyway, she was elderly <laughs> and she refused all treatment and decided to go on a road trip in an RV with her son and the, and the dog. And they traveled all over the country uh, for about a year. And they were blogging and, and making videos and posting photos. You can Google this. It's driving Miss Norma. If you Google driving Miss Norma, you can find you can find the story and photos and this wonderful thing. And so she spent the last year of her life doing all these things she'd never done before, seeing all these places she'd never been, and just just had a great time. And then uh, th- then eventually her health declined, and she went into hospice for a few weeks, and she died. And it's mm-hmm. like that is a great way to go, right there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so. That's a person who chose to live and die on their own terms. Yeah. Which is the same decision I made. And I'm, I'm very thankful that I survived and that I'm alive. But so, um, on your decision, though, before you move on, Chris, like how much fear and uh, trepidation did you have about making the decision to heal yourself rather than go through the traditional route? Um, and did you ever, you know, did you ever second guess yourself or think you made the wrong decision? I mean, yeah, what was I, that like? lots of fear, lots of fear and lots of second guessing that, you know, fear is a constant threat, uh, to your happiness <laughs> and to your, your, your well-being and your peace, uh, of mind when you have cancer and every day you're dealing with fear, it's creeping in mm-hmm. and you can get distracted. The best moments in the, in what I call phase one of a cancer journey, which is like the beginning. The mm-hmm. best moments are those moments where you get distracted and you're, you just get busy working, you know, on something or doing mm-hmm. something and you forget that you have cancer and it's just <laughs> wonderful. And then, but eventually something will remind you sure. and then this wave of fear, right? Just crashes down on you and mm-hmm. you know, your, your pulse quickens, your, you, you end up in this fight or flight response physiologically. And so I had to learn to deal with that. Uh, because I realized like, I can't keep, I can't live in a constant state of fear. I can't just be overwhelmed by fear. Every time I think about cancer, every time I hear, you know, I'm hear the word cancer on the news or on TV, on the radio, right. It's, it's, it's hilarious and ironic. And I didn't tell this story in my book and I should have, uh, or maybe I did tell it in the book. I forget, uh, in my first book, but, uh, the very first movie that I went to go see after my diagnosis right it was like maybe the next day or a couple days later it's like let's go see a movie okay what's playing and you know i just wanted to see a movie and i saw this movie called the butterfly effect Mm. uh and uh you know it was okay but one of the characters gets cancer in the movie and it's like (sighs) and dies right oh no yeah and it was just like oh my gosh (laughs) great choice (laughs) you know so yeah anyway i mean you're, you never, you don't notice the word cancer until you have it. And then you just see it everywhere and you hear it everywhere. And it's like, oh my gosh, please stop reminding yeah. me. But, yeah. um, but so what I had to do is I had to give my worries and my fears to God. I just had to stop in that moment of fear and say, God, I trust you. I'm giving you my fear. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to be afraid. I trust you. Show me what I need to do. Show me what I need to change. And uh, I'm, I'm not going to let this steal my joy. And in yeah. that moment, I also would practice gratitude and I would say, thank you, right? I'm not going to be afraid and thank you that I'm alive, that I have a wife who loves me, that I have a home, that I have food in the refrigerator, that I have enough money to pay my next set of bills. Um, mm-hmm. That Which I have is something we should all be doing every day anyway. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Gratitude is the secret. Yeah, gratitude is a secret to happiness. And the problem with so many people, the, the reason they're unhappy is because they're focused on the things they don't have. Right. They're focused on the things they think they deserve 
or the things that other they think other people have and don't deserve. They're focused on inequality. Instead of comparing yourself to people that have more than you, which all that will do will, will foster jealousy, envy, resentment, bitterness, and unhappiness, right? Uh, focus on people who have less than you. And then you realize I am so blessed, right? I have so much to be thankful for. I, I, I didn't wake up in a cave, right? Yeah. I didn't wake up in, a, in prison. I didn't wake up mm -hmm. in a hospital bed. I didn't wake up in a communist country, right? Yeah. So, yes. uh, you know, it's if you just get over yourself for a minute, <laughs> and think about yeah. other people in the world, really think about what life is like for millions of people in the world that uh, live in poverty. It's just so easy to get over these petty jealousy and envy and, you know, these feelings mm -hmm. that you may have. And believe me, I struggled. I had to get over this. Like I had to learn these lessons. Mm -hmm. uh, I was I, I was a very envious, jealous, competitive insecure prideful person and you know I, I was not happy for anyone's success i was jealous of them i was envious of them i yeah. when i got cancer all of a sudden i found myself feeling resentful toward anybody who didn't have cancer right mm -hmm. feeling sorry for myself and resenting just like look at this you know jerk walking on the street you know mm -hmm. why didn't that guy have cancer so those are not healthy thoughts. <laughs> yeah. So when you had to, you, you had to change your mindset, obviously for you, was it a Shazam moment? Like one day you woke up and went, God, I'm just being a bitch. You know, I need to change. This is bull. This is bull. Or was it a kind of a gradual realization over a course of time? You know, I, it, it, it wasn't like there was one moment. I feel like it was gradual. And mm -hmm. it, it took constant reminding, like, you know, I was reading books written by cancer survivors and books written by holistic doctors and healers. And, you know, those themes, those ideas were, were pervasive, mm -hmm. you know, you just, when you talk to people who've survived terminal cancer and doctors who've treated countless terminal cancer patients, these kind of things come up a lot. Yeah. And there's an, a deep understanding <clears throat> in, in, uh, this community and people that have been around a long time or around this community uh, about those things and how harmful and destructive they are, how harmful your your mindset and your attitude and your emotions can be if you let them run wild. Yes, that's so true. I remember hearing a story that you told on one of your uh, YouTube shows about your cousin, Jeff. Um, he he was saying something about you know he didn't buy into the 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 i think he said fads or the self-help books um because he uh would tell that story and why how you yeah. guys were so different and what you know how that played out yeah i have a cousin jeff who was a little older than me maybe five years older than me or so and and he got colon cancer uh i don't know something like maybe five or six seven years after i did Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I reached out to him, I emailed him and said, Hey man, love to talk, you know, love to, to love to be helpful if I can. And, um, you know, he, he knew I had gone through it and survived and whatever. And, um, but he, he never responded, but I got, I was uh, through the grapevine, basically his mother, uh, <laughs> but told me, you know, she had been pestering him to talk to me. <laughs> And uh, his is obviously my aunt. And, you know, he just never did. And uh, he sent her an email that was forwarded to me. And it was basically like, you know, I just, I just, I don't buy into all that self-help stuff. And, uh, you know, he, he had surgery and then he did chemo. The doctor said, if you do chemo, he was stage four. If you do chemo, you're, you may, you should live about one to two years. And he was like, oh. okay if you do treatment, right? Treatment, all of that entailed. So right. he had surgery. <clears throat> he was fe feeling a lot better after surgery. And then they started him on chemo and uh, he was dead in six months. So is, is, 
I mean, Chris, it's so bizarre that here you are, you know, like six, seven years after your diagnosis, you've basically healed yourself. You did not do the standard protocol. And and he's saying, ah, it's all poppycock. You know, he, he, I mean, I read some of his emails and it just, it just sounded like from the very, from the onset, this, this is great that you brought this up because it really, it really sort of closes the loop from what we talked about at the beginning of the conversation, which is he accepted that he was going to die, right? He just accepted it. He's like, I'm going to die. Cancer's going to kill me. And I'm just going to try to make the most of my life. Uh, he still did treatment, right? He did treatment because the doctor, you know, uh, convinced him that that would help him live longer, which was a complete yeah. lie. It was false and it accelerated his death. At least the chemotherapy did. The surgery, you know, uh, which probably would still have been helpful. But <clears throat> yeah, it's just, you know, that's just an example of two different ways to approach cancer. Yeah. Right. Two totally different mindsets. We, like we had one two different mindsets. Yeah. We took two different paths. And I didn't know him that well. Yeah, we we never lived in the same city, and we'd only met in person a few times. And yeah, but um, but yeah, it was you know, there's a bigger lesson there too, which is sometimes the people that you want to help the most are the people you can't help. Yes, and that's you know that was another point I wanted to ask you about, like the role that other people in your life that are close to you, what role do they play? How important is that? I mean, if they're uh, like for you, you chose to go, you know, I'm going rogue, I'm doing this my way. That had to be just as scary for those close to you as yes. it was for you. And how important is it that they get on board and support you rather than, you know, continuing to maybe encourage you to go the traditional route to assuage their own fears? Well, there's, you can't put a value on support. You know, I mean, it's the greatest thing in the world to have people yeah. around you that support what you're doing. Okay. I, I did not have that <clears throat> in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day, it's up to you. This is your life, right? So support or not, what are you going to do? Right? Are you going to do you want to live? How bad do you want to live? Are you willing to change your life? get busy like you know you can't use the lack mm -hmm. of support as an excuse for inaction uh which i see people do sometimes you know well no one supports me well who cares right do you want to live or not right you know yeah. and so that that's yeah or they allow know, themselves to be talked into what yeah yes, what everybody else thinks sure. is best they're well, that, like well everyone next... else thinks this is best so mm -hmm. that and that often right. happens for sure I, I when heard, they don't get um, I was just yeah. going to say, when they don't get support, they, uh, some folks end up doing things they don't want to do, right? Just to appease mm -hmm. the people around them, right? To appease their, some doctor sure. that doesn't, they don't even know, right? This doctor who right. wouldn't even know their name if they re saw him in the grocery store. Seriously, nope. the do doctors are seeing 20, 30 patients a day. Like You got to see a doctor a bunch of times before they remember your name. Uh, and yet, you know, you're too afraid to say no to this stranger. Uh, I, I think, you know, but that's, that's inherent in this problematic medical system and cancer treatment system is that there's so much fear, right? That the fear consumes the patient and they're powerless to say no. Uh, and they they a lot of people are people pleasers right they just want to be people pleasers they don't want conflict they don't want to argue they just want to go with the flow and uh you know they they are in a sense followers we're all mm -hmm. followers and to some degree mm -hmm. right look at social media like we're all following people right but <laughs> right but uh there are critical moments in your life where there's an opportunity for you to stand up and be a leader and because uh because there's no one to follow, right? And I mean, there are people to follow, but the, but they, they're not going where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. And yeah, I mean, you could be a follower, but what if the you know group you're following or the leader you're following is you know walking off the edge of a cliff? Yeah, that's well. Look look at what's happened in the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. Look at how many people have followed the the authorities, and mm -hmm. look at the mess we've created. 
right? right? From following people who are absolutely incompetent, who have no idea how to solve a problem, and uh, but are you know are telling people what to do, who trust them, who think they're going to solve their problem, yeah, and all they've done Save is compound it, yeah, right? They've compounded yeah. the the problems of the world with horrible strategies. <laughs> I'm speaking esoterically, but I think everyone knows what I'm talking about. So I know, and I'm a hundred percent with you. It's 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 beyond um, disgusting, frankly. It's beyond yeah. disgusting what's what's going yeah. on. And, and, and it's, uh, the, yeah. what's disgusting about it is that is that by and large, most of it com was completely unnecessary. Everything we're dealing with right now, completely unnecessary. You know, if and there are countries that responded differently that are doing really great, uh, like Sweden. Yeah, not it's only so unnecessary, <clears throat> not only unnecessary, unnecessary, but extraordinarily harmful on a yes. multitude of levels, psychologically, you know, physically, uh, socially, on every level, extremely harmful. And that's what is so disgusting and irresponsible. Um, yeah, yes, we and can, it'll take we, years to, to calculate the collateral damage. Yeah, it will take mm -hmm. years and books and books and books will be written about what has happened in the last year and a half and how horribly mismanaged the whole thing was. But here's the thing, I, you know, when when all this started happening in March 2020, I made a Facebook video, it's still on Facebook, talking about <clears throat> my thoughts. And what I was seeing in the very, very beginning, I was seeing the same patterns that I, we've seen in the cancer industry for decades, right? Fear, manipulation, coercion, lack of data, mm -hmm. lack of evidence, jumping to conclusions, right? Chicken little type yeah. fear mongering. And, yeah. uh, and I was just seeing red flag after red flag. I'm like, this is not new, right? I've mm -hmm. seen this playbook. This is the way patients are manipulated through fear and rushed into cancer treatment. And I'm now yeah. seeing this play out on a global scale. And most of these people don't know what they don't understand it's happening to them. Right. But I, I understand it because I've seen it over and over. I'm like, no, no, this is a deliberate strategy to sell you drugs. <laughs> that's what this is, right? Really, this that's the fear. bottom line. This is fear mongering for profit. This is yes. what it is. And yes. so, yeah, and anyway, we've seen all that play out. But in, yeah. you know, in the cancer world, um, it's very important that the patient understands that uh, they will be manip manipulated by fear if they're not aware, right? It's easy to be manipulated by fear. And you have to be aware of, and, and, and this plays out any, for any person actually, but like you need to be really conscious. Every time you turn on the news, ask yourself, is mm -hmm. this fear mongering right now? Right, and I'm right. telling you, it is, right? Uh, every news story is driven by fear, anxiety, conflict. That's what attracts your attention as a human, right? You're attracted to conflict right. and fear and uncertainty. And like, what's happening in the Middle East? What's happening in Russia? What's happening in China? What's happening with the economy? Mm -hmm. What's happening with the election? What did this uh, politician say about that politician, right? It's constant conflict and that keeps your attention, right? So you wanna, oh, what's next? Mm -hmm. What's gonna happen next? Who's gonna say what? Like, I gotta know. And so people get sucked into this addictive media consumption watching the mm -hmm. news all night i mean every night or all day or just keeping like just staying oh i gotta stay informed well you're not really informed right you're just being manipulated manipulated and what right are they manipulating right they're playing to your for? emotions yeah and mm -hmm. let me i don't want to be very clear here because i don't want people to think oh it's just a conspiracy theory let me <laughs> let me be very clear the news media runs scary stories because they attract your eyeballs and the more eyeballs they get, the more money they make from advertisements. Mm -hmm. That's the game, right? Mm -hmm. That is the game. You wanna take it to, to deeper levels of conspiracy and control, that's fine. But the game, at least on the surface, is that the more eyeballs they get, the more they can charge Pfizer and Merck and Ford, right? And Nabisco for their ads. So right. they figured this out many, many, many decades ago, if it bleeds, it leads. Scary news stories, anxiety-driven, fear-producing news stories attract the most attention. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're going to put out there. They're not gonna be telling you right. 
you know, feel good stories about people who, uh, I mean, you know, they'll, they'll sprinkle a few in there, right? They'll sprinkle yeah, it's a few so, in Yeah, it's but so, it's mostly, like you said, it's sprinkled. It's Yeah, it's mostly it's, the bad yeah. news, right? So it's mostly the bad news. Yeah. We don't hear about point? all of the good stories. We don't hear enough. We don't, what we should be hearing is more of the success rates of people that have and are, you know, recovering from, or, you know, beating whatever, right. um, whatever the illness of the day is. Um, we should be hearing those because there are plenty of those that we're not hearing about. All you hear about are distorted stats that make, you know, people more yeah. fearful. As and you your say. mind the human mind is not equipped. It is not capable of the level of information consumption that we are experiencing, especially when we're talking about negative information, right? Fear right. and anxiety producing information. And every time you watch the news or you're reading articles online or whatever, you're taking a dose, right? You're dosing. And that is a dose of fear. And think about it. I mean, mm -hmm. how many doses does it take? To, to, to make you put you in a state of complete and total paranoia, anxiety and fear, right? Not that many. And so you have to like cold turkey, you've got to stop watching the news, you've got to cut off this daily injection of fear in your life, whether you have cancer or not, because it will make you more stressed, more unhappy, more inflamed, more immunosuppressed, all of those things. And those are not conducive to living a peaceful, happy, joyful life. They're just not healthy life, a healthy mm -hmm. life. No. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They suppress your immune system and actually make you more susceptible to disease. Yes. So you're right by, by taking in all of that fear and negativity in doses daily, you literally are setting yourself up to become ill in some manner. I want to ask you because, uh, I want to be respectful of your time. I want to ask you uh, your thoughts on because I know they're very similar to mine, and I was so glad to see that somebody else was actually speaking about it, on cancer um, charities. And then we'll wrap it up with a recap on the, um, you know, the diet and the mindset that you need to, to conquer cancer. Um, give me your thoughts on some of these fundraising cancer charity initiatives. Well, the big ones are the worst. <laughs> Coleman, uh, the American Cancer Society, you know, these charities, they, they raise millions and millions of dollars. And where does the money go? Well, for Komen, about only about 20% of it goes to cancer research. 80% of it goes to marketing and salaries and whatever. Uh, so 20 cents out of every dollar goes to, to cancer research. And you think, oh, you're really doing something. But even that 20 cents, that is going to cancer research, that's just free money for the drug companies, right? Yeah. It's the best, it's literally the best, the most sophisticated, and, and my hat is off, right? Because this is a, a such a sophisticated grift. The drug companies fund these cancer charities. The cancer charities raise money for the drug companies. The drug companies get this free money they use to develop drugs that they then patent and sell back to you, right? That is the ultimate yeah. rift. And, um, and so, uh, yeah, we, I've done a fundraiser <laughs> several times. That's basically, um, what we, what we tell people is in, in October, give to patients, not to Komen. So in other words, you want to give Good. money to cancer, to help cancer, find a cancer patient, and put some money in their hand, right? None of it will yes. be wasted. I can assure I love that. you, right? They will. They need money yeah, for groceries. Yeah, because with all of the research, right? For gas, for rent, yeah, they for need money treatments, for, for help. Yeah, you want to do some yeah. real good. And the, in, put the cash interesting money in their hands. The yeah, and the interesting thing is, I mean, how many decades now have they been doing cancer research? Um, and and been collecting you know millions and millions probably billions at this point of dollars and what's the survival rate these days has it has it changed at all right has billions there been really and billions any major of improvement right exactly like i said earlier multi-billions of dollars 
hundreds of billions of dollars have been have been wasted on cancer research and used to develop drugs that have that are largely ineffective at reducing the death rate and the death rates only come down five percent in 60 years so yeah it's a colossal waste so i don't like the big cancer charities at all uh they're just, they're just big marketing companies um, but there's some wonderful small charities like healing strong is an incredible cancer charity actually that's there right there uh, and that is a network of cancer support groups holistic cancer support groups, real people meeting in their homes, meeting on Zoom, encouraging each other, supporting each other. It's just absolutely the best. I wish it existed when I was sick, right? But it didn't. It was, mm. it was founded probably 10 years later or eight years later, something like that. But uh, healingstrong.org is an amazing organization, a great place to connect uh, if, you're, if you have cancer and you're looking for holistic support, like from other real people who've been through it and survived or that are on the journey with you. It's awesome. So that's a charity that's doing great that's, things. Yeah. And I love them. And then Good. Annie so Appleseed. Research. Yeah. yeah, the Annie Appleseed Foundation. They do a cancer conference every year in Florida, an alternative and complementary cancer conference that I've spoken at. And that's run by my friend Ann Fonfa, who's a stage four cancer survivor over 20 years. And another wonderful charity doing good stuff. So I don't want to throw them all under the bus, but the big ones that everybody knows about, you know, you know, they're not interested in yeah. curing cancer. They're not, you know. No, they'd be out of jobs. Right. <laughs> what would they do all day? Right. All, all, all those pink clothes and pink ribbons and pink shoes and pink backpacks and oh Lord. Yeah. Would be there just will never be a waste, cure. So. I mean, there's there's hundreds of different types of cancer. So this, this idea that we're one step closer to the cure, it's just a complete fabrication, right? It's deception, it's false, it's marketing. Like there's no, there's never gonna be yeah. a cure, right? There's 200, I mean, hundreds of types of cancers and no one drug's gonna cure them all. And as we've seen, most of the drugs have dismal cure rates. Immunotherapy drugs are a little better I mean, they're making progress there, uh, and uh, some of them are working better than chemotherapy for a few types of cancer. That's the whole new emerging frontier. Um, mm. But the side effects can be pretty bad too, right? So they're they're yeah. not without risks and side effects. So even that, yeah. you know, it's 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 encouraging. It's a step in the right direction. At least the medical system and the cancer uh, industry is acknowledging oh hey yeah the patient's immune system is pretty important and the, their immune system can actually solve this problem right if we can stimulate their immune system which they're trying to do but they, they're not interested in stimulating the immune system with food and exercise and stress reduction <laughs> right and forgiveness they're not interested in doing it that way right there's no money in those approaches right uh, so exactly, you know, it, it's that's the tragedy is all of the wonderful and I mean, hundreds of thousands of studies, I'm not exaggerating on nutritional yeah. science on anti cancer compounds in nature, right in fruits and vegetables, herbs, nuts, seeds and spices, uh, you know, that research exists. It's on PubMed. There's more of it than well, you can even read. I, I try to summarize a lot of it. I'm not even a lot of it, but I try to summarize some of the, the most important highlights in my first book, Crispy Cancer. It's like, just so a person, again, almost everything I do can be boiled down to one thing. Like, what is my ultimate goal? It's to help a person believe they can get well, right? To show them enough evidence Perfect. to yes. foster that belief, right? Because I know if I can foster the belief in someone that they can get well, then I have done something, right? They got to take the ball and run with it. But I've given them, yeah, you know, the, the thing that I got, right? Which is that spark of hope. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do, right? Yeah. That's what my books well, are about. That's what my website's about. I mean, that's yeah. why I do interviews. It's it's just it could be boiled down to that one thing to help people really come to understand and believe that they can get well, that your body creates cancer, your yeah. body can heal it. It's possible if given the proper mm -hmm. nutrients and care. Right. So, and proper, 
and it's not just the the stuff that you eat it's it's your mindset too um i want to i know you have to go so i want to recap this like besides so you've got diet you've got mindset and then you did other things too right you like did chiropractic you did acupuncture do i have that right you had yes. you did therapeutic massage you you just like did everything that seemed like that would be healthy and good for you you just did it yeah and i had a real simple in- filter yeah, I had sort of a simple filter for determining what to do. And, and it was it was this. Mm-hmm. Does this have any risk of harm? Yes or no, right? If the answer is no, okay. And does it have a, does it have a potential benefit? And if the answer to that is yes, then I would do it, right? Uh, well, there's the third question. Can I afford it, <laughs> right? So if there's yeah. no risk of harm and it could, could possibly help, and I could afford it. I had time to do it. I had access to it. I could afford to do it, whatever the therapy was. I would do it. So yeah, chiropractic, chiropractic care, um, rolfing, you know, structural integration, acupuncture, uh, Reiki. Um, I had IV vitamin C uh, treatments, uh, you, you know, saunas, you name it. Like anything and everything I could find and afford. And that includes tons of supplements. Uh, yeah. I would take them, right? I would do it. I would just say, you know what? I'm open. Maybe this will help. If it doesn't help, I'm okay with it, but there's no risk of harm. So let's do it. Perfect. And when you did that though, you probably, so, you know, you're doing all of these things that are, that you can afford that are going to do no harm and that are going to make you, if nothing else, feel better and could possibly be helpful. But when you started doing all those things, and I imagine there were certain things like in your diet, for example, and your thinking your thoughts that you stopped doing so you sure there was a stuff you stopped you replaced the negative stuff that you are thinking or eating with the good stuff and then basically you said hey it's me and you god let's do this yeah you know it's kind of like this you have to identify everything in your life that may be contributing to disease that's step one and step two is replacing those things with with health promoters, right? You identify the disease promoters yeah. and whether that's food, lack of exercise, bad thoughts, negative thinking, bad habits, right? Smoking, drinking, drug use, on and on, right? You've got to identify everything that may be contributing to your disease and replace those things with health promoters. That is what I did. That's what I encourage everyone in our community to do. It's like, you can't do it all in one day. You can't do it overnight. It, it's a process. Right. But you can do some pretty big things overnight. You can change your diet overnight. You can start exercising yeah. Yeah. overnight, right? The mental and emotional and spiritual stuff, that takes time. You have to work through it, right? It takes time to change right. the way you think, to catch yourself thinking negatively and actively choose to think positively and to practice gratitude, right? That just, that is a habit you have to develop. You got to train, retrain your brain, but mm-hmm. all of these things can be done. And so I just want to totally concur with you. It's important. There, there is a, it's, there's a process of addition and subtraction, right? You're subtracting harmful yeah. things. You're adding helpful things. And my approach really was kind of like the kitchen sink approach. You know, it was just everything but the kitchen sink, assuming those things did not have a risk of harm. So that's why I said no to chemotherapy because I like this has a huge risk of harm and I'm I'm just not ready to do it. I I never said to myself, I'll never do that. But I, I did say, I'm not ready to do that now, right? maybe later but right now i, like I want to change my life i want to build up my body i want to go hardcore healthy get on the hardcore healthy path and see what happens right i want to take care of myself in a way that i never have before i was excited about doing that right mm-hmm. and it made sense to me so it like i i got out of a vicious cycle right i broke a vicious cycle and i created a virtuous cycle Right. So the vicious cycle, your health spiral spirals down, right? Virtuous Mm -hmm. cycle, your health spirals up. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. I love that. Um, Chris, your, 
your books, I mean, the easiest place to tell people to find out more about you, which by the way, before I go there, so this is, uh, it's 17, do I have that right? 17 years later since, since you were diagnosed? It'll be 18 in December. Okay. So 18 years later, after your doctor said, eh, you know, 60% chance of maybe five years. And here we are 18 years later and you are healthy, you are thriving, and you have written three amazing books that are giving other people a blueprint, a map to follow that um, may find themselves in, in a similar situation or to give to somebody that they love. I mean, you're a walking testimonial to what is possible. And I, I, I love that. And here you are being able to help so many other people. That's amazing. I applaud you and, and I'm grateful for what you're doing in the world. Thank you. It feels so, good. It feels good to serve other people. It feels good to be helpful and to share what you've learned and, and to see people get well, right? When people email me and say, thank you, you changed my life, right? My can I'm cancer free. My scans are clear. My blood work yeah. is perfect. You know, I'm, yeah. I found you five years ago and then my doctor gave me a year to live and I'm still here. You know, I get those messages constantly and it's the best feeling in the world. And that's why I keep mm. doing it. <laughs> you know, if no one was yeah. being helped that's by what I do, I would have stopped 10 years ago. <laughs> sure. Sure. But uh, no, we need more people like you. And, and I'm, I'm really grateful for what you're doing. So the best place for people to find you again, we'll put this in the show notes is chrisbeatcancer.com, correct? Yeah, that's, that is the best place to find me. Jump on the email newsletter. I've got tons of free resources. The whole website is free. I've interviewed dozens of doctors and PhD scientists who are experts mm -hmm. in nutrition and cancer prevention and healing. I've interviewed dozens of uh, against the odds holistic survivors of all types and stages of cancer that you will get tremendous encouragement from. If you, uh, you can type in the search bar, you can type in breast cancer, colon cancer, lung cancer. Um, you can type in vitamin C, you can type in vitamin D. I mean, there's tons of articles there to help, to help you survive and Perfect. thrive. So that's what the site's for. And of course yeah. my books are easy to find. They're all three books are on Amazon. You can get them from Barnes and Noble and all the major booksellers. If you want to support your local independent bookstores, they can get my books. They're all published by mm -hmm. Hay House and distributed by Penguin Random House. So, I mean, they're, yeah, they're easy to yeah. find, but a shameless plug, the brand yes. new book, Beat Cancer Kitchen, full color uh, cookbook. There's 125 recipes in, in here. They're all plant-based and super delicious. My wife and I wrote this together and it comes out. Well, it's out November, it's out now. Tuesday, November 16th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it is it's out. out now. So, so yeah, so no excuses, people. If you want to, if you want to go ahead and follow in Chris's footsteps, he's got it all there right for you. He'll just tell you what to do, you know, how to think, what to cook, what to eat. It's all right there for you. So I would say you have nothing to lose by by following the path that Chris took. It's clearly, it's worked wonders for him. So Chris, um, thank you so much again for all of your time. Uh, I love this and make sure you let me know when you have another book coming out and we'll talk again. All right. Thank you, so, Lori. It's really fun yeah. to talk to you. Keep up the good work. Thank you very much. And that's a wrap, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with Chris and I today. Um, uh, please make sure you check out his YouTube channel and his website, chrisbeatcancer.com. There's so much good stuff there. If you want to find out what coaching with me is all about, just head on over to lauribischoff.com. And uh, please give this a rating and share it with somebody that you think could benefit and find value in what we're talking about here. There's a lot of good shift being shared. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends. Stay healthy and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. You too, Gary V.